friends, welcome to Sky House Herbs Podcast. I'm Ashley Ellenboss, a clinical herbalist, and in this space, I share my knowledge and experience with plant medicine to help you on your own journey of healing and transformation. Join me in exploring the ancient wisdom of plant spirit medicine and how it can be used to heal the body, mind, and spirit. We'll talk to experts in the field and share stories from people who've been transformed by powerful plant allies. New episodes are released each Monday, so please subscribe. And now, let's explore this mystical world of plant medicine together. Hey everyone, welcome in. Today we'll be talking about what to grow in 2024. We'll be talking about which herbs, which plants, things that I think you'll particularly enjoy growing, things that are easy to grow, and uh, what to do with these things once you've grown them in your garden. So let's dive in. Before we do, if you haven't already subscribed to my channel, please, 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 it helps people to find me and find my work, learn more about plants, which is my whole mission in life is to get more people in love, falling in love with plants and seeing the value of protecting our environment and using herbs as medicine. So just take a moment to click on the subscribe button, like this video if you think it's helpful and share it if you would like to as well. And, uh, yeah, one little promo is that we are getting really, really, really close to launching my herbal apprenticeship course. So the registration will be open at the end of February, 2024. It's coming up soon. We're working on the final touches for the website. So you should be able to, within probably the next week and a half, register for my upcoming herbal apprenticeship where you can learn about herbal medicines, get some live time with me to ask your questions and get a bunch of content to help you build and grow your confidence in using herbal medicines. So stay tuned for that. All right, let's talk about herbs, what to grow in 2024. And I put this list together for a few reasons. The first one is that I've gotten a few um, opportunities to teach at local herbal um, or plant nurseries here in the Minneapolis area, which is really cool because I've always, you know, I love going to like, I would say plant nurseries are kind of like my church. Like if I'm having a down day, and I need to like connect with God and like, let's just say it's cold or snowy or just, you know, I, I want to be warm. I'll go to a plant nursery and just walk around the greenhouse. And I have a particular greenhouse here in the uh, Minnetonka area that I love called Tonkadale. And my neighbor introduced me to them. And it's like my, it's just, it's a darling place. And they have a lot of things from local vendors and uh, so I'll go there often and I am going to be teaching a class there on how to grow your own herbal apothecary. And then I am also going to be teaching a class at another um, plant nursery in Shakopee. So I'll include some links in the description if you are local and you want to join me. But I just, it got me thinking, you know, now is a good time to talk about what to grow, how to grow herbs. And um, for me, I think my top seven herbs or seven things to grow this year for various different reasons. All of these herbs are ones that you can grow in containers. And I know for me, when I was, when I was living, when I was in my twenties and I was living in apartments, I didn't have land, right? Like I just had lots of windows. So I would put, I had like lived in old apartments near outside of Baltimore and I would take on top of the radiator, I would put like a big slab of granite or wood and then line up all of my pots along those window ledges and I would grow my herbs there and then I would harvest them and I would have my own very tiny herbal apothecary <laughs> but that was fine because it was just me and and it worked perfectly well 
<clears throat> so just so you know, you can grow a lot of plants indoors. Um, or if you have like a little stoop, like you have a few steps that are shared with other people, most people don't mind if you grow beautiful things, you know, and it actually can really enhance the vibe of a neighborhood if you're growing medicinal plants and beautiful flowers. So I'll give you some ideas along the way, but I just, I wanted to say this first because you don't have to have, you know, acres and acres of land to grow your own herbs. All right. Um, I also, I think the herbs that I've chosen should be able to be grown in most climates. Um, you know, if you live like in the desert, you might, you know, it might be a little harder. You'll have to water a little bit more because of the aridness and dryness. But I think most places you should be able to grow all of these herbs. Um, all right. So my first one, which you might be surprised, is cutting flowers. So I think everyone in 2024 needs to have a little area where you're growing flowers that are going to make you happy. Um, Hilda, you're chewing on your squeaky bone. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Sorry. Um, yeah. So I, for me as a, as a double Taurus, I have Taurus in, I have my sun and moon in Taurus and cancer rising. So for me, beauty and having beautiful things around me is so important to my overall well-being. And I think it's actually true for most of us humans that we do better when we have an, a beautiful environment. And so one year when I lived in uh, Tacoma Park, Maryland, um, and I, I had a small garden plot, but there was this whole patch of, of grass like along this, between like the house and the sidewalk. And I tilled that grass up and I threw packets of wildflower seeds. And for that whole summer, it was beautiful. Like people would walk by and like kids would come and check out all the butterflies that were flying around. And then I had cutting flowers for my house, for friends. You know, I would have like buy vases at the dollar store, at the thrift store, and I would just give flowers away. Like every time I would go to a friend's house, I'd bring flowers. And I just think having a cutting, a little area where you can grow flowers to cut just for the mere beauty of it is very, very important for our mental health and well-being. So that's my very first, that's my first thing that you should plant in 2024 is just plant flowers. Now, here are some of my top flowers that I love to grow and I love to have in my home. The first are zinnias. Zinnias are really easy to grow. There's tons of different varieties of zinnias. So if you're like more of like a red, orange, yellow person, you can grow zinnias. There's pinks, there's like pale green and pink blends, like kind of the vintage-y look. Um, there's little zinnias, there's huge zinnias. So depending on what your aesthetic is and your color palette, you know, you can find zinnias in every color. So check out some zinnias, super easy to grow in pots, easy to grow in windowsills, easy to grow in gardens. Other cutting flowers I love are black-eyed Susans. They kind of, they flower pretty much from like, you know, early summer all the way until fall. So those are going to be available for cutting all year long. Um, the bees love them as well. Echinacea is a wonderful cutting flower. Um, it's a great pollinator plant for supporting the local pollinators in your area. And yeah, I think those are like, those would be my, my, oh, and daisies. I love daisies. Daisies just make, I think daisies make everyone happy. <laughs> They're like the flower of joy. So if, um, you know, tried growing some daisies, Gerber daisies, I don't have great luck with, but just your, you know, good old fashioned yellow center and white petal daisies grow really easy and they're very happy flowers to have. So that's number one is find flowers you can use to cut, to give, and to give to yourself. Uh, the second is... Um, 
marigolds. That's my second flower. Hi, Hilda. This is my big, very big puppy. She's a little sad. We've been both needing extra cuddles because we lost Rhea, our other dog. Yeah. So we've been a little more needy the last few weeks. I get that. Me too. Yeah. <clears throat> so the second flower that I think everyone should grow, which is also medicinal, is marigold. And I love marigolds. I think this year in particular, because at least here in Minnesota, we haven't had some, we haven't had very many big deep freezes. So I'm anticipating here in the land of 10,000 lakes, we're going to have a lot of mosquitoes. And I have, I just have a feeling across the United States um, and places that have had more mild winters that you might have more bugs. So if in your garden, if you can grow marigolds, marigolds are just by growing, you don't have to do anything with them, just grow them in your garden and they will repel insects um, to your other, like if you grow them near, um, let's say your basil or near your tomatoes, they'll repel bugs away from the foods you're growing too, which is really nice. So I really like them for that insect repellent reason. When we lived in Maryland, we lived in kind of a boggy low-lying area. And so on our back deck, I had flower, um, you know, like hanging flower baskets all around. And I had them filled with marigolds. And it kept the mosquitoes off the deck, like mostly, you know, not 100%, but a lot better than other places in the yard. Um, the other reason I really like marigolds is their association with protection against death. And I don't know about you, but it's been like already, like we're only at February and I'm like, there has been a lot of death um, and a lot of big change. And uh, when I lived in Costa Rica and I worked on a herb farm, a permaculture farm called Finca Ipe, it was super cool. I think they still take residencies. Um, but we would hang marigolds in across the windows to keep the bats out. And they called the marigold the flor de muerte or the flower of death. Um, partly because in a lot of the Mayan and, and Mexican traditions, it was seen as an as a flower to help people cross over. If you've ever seen the movie Coco, it's a great, great movie for uh, animated movie um, that, you know, the, the whole rainbow bridge was covered in marigolds. But it was it was thought to be a flower that um, yeah helps the soul and helps spirits pass or cross, but it was also seen as a plant of protection. And so you know when when we hung it in the rafters in Costa Rica because we didn't have screens, it would keep the bats out from pooping all over us while we slept. Um, and you know we know bats carry a lot of diseases, so it protects against diseases and things like that. Uh, so I just I I just like having marigolds around. Every year I plant them in my garden. Um, I'll usually you know like plant them, you know, every four plants, I'll just have a, a marigolds kind of in every single bed just to kind of keep the bugs at bay and just to add a little pop of color because they're beautiful and they have really nice scent as well. Um, they're also medicinally associated with the solar plexus. And so we made a tincture in our women's circle last year, our gardening group, um, to help us with courage and finding our own voice and our own like, like, you can use it as a drop dose herb for really strengthening the solar plexus and your ability to feel your own power, which I think is great. Number three is chamomile. I, I think this year, you know, every year can have hardships. And so I think that it would be a really wise idea to have a nervine on board, an herb that can really help you relax your central nervous system, calm your mind, help you with sleep. It's good for kids of all ages. So, you know, babies, 
toddlers, kids, teenagers, adults, elders, like it's good for all ages. And uh, chamomile is, um, it's just, it's so, it's not only so gentle, but I feel like it has such a pleasant taste. And I will say this, I grow the German variety. So um, chamomile, Matricaria chamomilla, the taste is a little bit less bitter. And I promise you, if you grow the flowers yourself, it is way less bitter than if you buy them like when they get old and kind of like musty tasting, like was what you find in most tea bags. It's not, I don't think it tastes the same. I think it tastes way better when the flowers are fresh and you just steep it for like five to seven minutes, like a very short steep. And it is so bright and cheery and fragrant. Um, and it just brings a smile and a warmth to your face and to your body and to your mind in a way that is relaxing. It's like comforting. It's like comforting cheer. So grow this in, I've grown it in pots before on my deck. It does pretty well there. It does need full sun. Um, you can also grow it in garden beds. We have, uh, and it spreads. So be aware that it's going to, you know, we, I had like seven plants in my garden and now half of the whole bed is covered in chamomile, which is great. I was hoping that would happen. It also has um, seeded onto the lawn. So now in the lawn space down by the garden, there's chamomile growing. And I'm like, yeah, take it over. Like you can have as much space as you want chamomile. So just know that that will likely happen as it self seeds and it will regrow every year in garden beds and pots. It, it doesn't seem to, it, it will self seed. Um, but it, it, it seems to really like to go into the ground and take over larger spaces. And all you do to use it as a medicine is you just you just pluck off the heads of the flowers. So once the flowers open up and they bloom, you just pick them off. And I like to use, I don't have it nearby, but I like to use like a, a flat harvesting basket. And then I'll just lay all of the flowers like in a single row because I need space to be able to dry out efficiently. Um, or you can use a screen and dry it on a screen. And then once they're dried, um, here's my chamomile my garden this year we don't have very much left but this is my 2023 harvest and it's just they're still bright I mean you know chamomile should be bright white and yellow you know that's and so this I'm going to use this up by the end of this year and then I'll harvest more to have for the year ahead um, let's see what else. Oh, number four, yarrow. I think every garden should have yarrow this year because it is a great skin and wound healer. It's also con considered to be a protective plant. So again, I just, I always love to have plants nearby that I'm like, I know you got my back. And I feel like yarrow on a lot of levels, especially for those who are out in the world fighting battles. Um, and that can be political battles. It can be justice battles. It can be, um, you know, just what, you know, your own personal battles. Uh, Yarrow is a really nice one to have to just be like, I've got you warrior, you know, I've got you. And you can use it as a tea. You can uh, use the flowers and the leaves, brew it as a tea is really good for circulation and keeping the blood flowing freely throughout the whole body, it protects the heart. Um, I also really like Yarrow um, just topically. I like to have it in the garden. So if the girls fall and they get a really deep cut or scrape that's bleeding. 
I know it will, I can chew it up in a poultice and stick it on the wound. It will stop the bleeding and it will keep it from getting infected. And then I can put a bandaid over it. Um, it's also good for stings. Usually what I'll do is I'll first find some plantain, chew it up, apply that to suck out the venom. And then I'll add a little bit of yarrow to keep it from getting swollen and infected. So yarrow is a really, really nice one to have. And then you can dry it. I think I have yarrow on my, I have yarrow, I do. So this is the yarrow from um, my garden this year. And um, let's see it. There's some flowers in there. Uh, but yeah, just the leaves and the flowers can be dried and then saved. And you can use that as a tea. It's also really good for respiratory infections or like colds and flu season um, because it will help disperse a fever and it will help to break up mucus and just kind of get a cold moving out a little bit faster. So that's really nice to have on hand. My fifth plant to grow in 2024 is rose. Oh my gosh. I've used rose so much already this year. And I'm so looking forward to having my rose bushes bloom outside. And rose is nice because it's a bush. It'll come back every year. So find a variety that you like. Um, you know, obviously try to find ones that aren't too hybrided out. You know, like um, some of like the super fancy ones that don't have a smell, you really want it to have a fragrance. So, you know, use your nose when you go out to the nursery and find the most fragrant roses. Um, and, you know, if you can find wild roses like uh, Rosa Virginiana is a really nice one. There's a bunch of you know, Damascus roses, a really nice one that's a little harder to grow. But, you know, do some research and see which roses grow well in your area um, that are less hybridized. And then you'll have not only beautiful roses to cut for your home, but you'll have those rose petals that you can cut and dry and save and use them in teas. Such good heart medicine for grief, for loss, um, for healing the heart. Um, great for baths. I have, I did my, my herb of the month for February um, was on rose. So I've got a bunch of ideas of how to use rose. I'll include a link in the description if you want to listen to that. But rose is going to be a really important medicine. You can also make jam out of the rose hips, which I love to do. So you harvest them. You can also just nibble on them. The girls and I will nibble on the rose hips when they come out in the fall, but you can harvest the rose hips and make jellies and jams. They're really high in vitamin C and that's a great winter preserve that you can have. Have, um, to keep your family healthy throughout the winter as well. Then uh, number six is calendula, which is a bright yellow flower. Here's my calendula from my garden this year. Um, beautiful. I mean, it should be bright when you have them. I've gotten a few batches from uh, Mountain Rose. I love Mountain Rose, but I will not order calendula from them because it's always like this pale yellow and it makes me so sad because you need to have, these are like sticky. So um, I've made salves out of these are really good for the skin. I mean, they're like I mean, just beautiful. Mm, they still smell good. So you can use this in a tea for lymphatic drainage. So if you have like a cold and a lot of like congestion and you just want to get things moving, it's really, really good as a tea. Um, as a salve, as I said before, you can use it on the skin. You can use it even just as a tea compress on the skin. If you have like a rash that's really itchy or inflamed, uh, you can use calendula for inflamed lymph nodes. It can be really good for that. And you can just cut it and have it be a beautiful flower in your vase. Um, and then the last one is Tulsi. Um, and it's a very particular Tulsi because a lot of Tulsis will not grow in more temperate regions like the United States. They need like to be in India, which is where they're from in Asia. But the Kapoor variety, which is called temperate Tulsi, 
um, is a beautiful one. And I got my first seeds from the Ama. I don't know if any of you know the Hugging Saint Ama. Oh my gosh, she's she's like one of my gurus. Um, uh, I've gotten her hugs, gosh, I think like five years in a row, but she's an incredible um, Indian mystic. And um, at her big, she travels around the world giving darshan and and speak and speaks and um, has created so many beautiful orphanages and hospitals. I'll include a link if you want to learn more about Ama. But um, I picked up my first plant at one of her gatherings in DC and actually might've even been in Virginia. But anyway, I grew it in my garden in Maryland and it was the most prolific happy Tulsi I've ever seen. And you can harvest the leaves. It makes a really good tincture. I still have bottles and bottles of tinctures I've made. What I like about having this plant in your garden this year is that it does two main things that I think other plants can't do. One is that it's an adaptogen and a lot of adaptogens are roots. And I really don't love harvesting roots because then I don't know. I just, I don't like it. I don't, I'm not a big root harvester person. I really like aerial parts so that the plants can proliferate year after year. And I know there's ways of harvesting roots where you can still have them grow, but I'm just, I'm just a leaf aerial part harvester. So I really like that I can get an adaptogen by just har harvesting the leaves and the flowers. And even the stems are medicine. Um, I also really like that it's more energizing. So a lot of plants that we grow for medicines can be more relaxing. You know, we like have our chamomiles, our skull caps, but I really like having an herb that is going to be really uplifting and energizing. If you need a boost and you don't want caffeine, right? Um, you can brew a tea of Tulsi and it'll give you energy without depleting you. It'll actually give you energy while restoring your own body's energy. And that's pretty special. It's also good for balancing blood sugar. And I, it's not as strong as some of the other Tulsi varieties for that reason. But I think anytime that you're taking an herb that's an adaptogen, it's going to balance out hormones and blood sugar and a bunch of things, neurotransmitters, serotonin levels. So just think of it as going in and giving you energy while it recharges you. It's like using your phone while it's plugged in. It's like energy's coming in while you're using it. And that's kind of neat. And I think this is a very unique plant that can give you that. And the pollinators love it, love it, love it. It also makes a really nice home for the plants or for the um, pollinators in the fall and winter. If you just let it die and then cut it back about a foot tall, um, then it has these hollow tubes because it's in the mint family. There's like square stem hollow tubes. And then the bees and a bunch of little bugs will go in there and they'll make their home all winter long, which is really sweet. So you can know like you're, you know, you're providing shelter with this plant uh, for the next generation of helpful bugs <laughs> and insects. Um, so that's what I have for you guys today. Those are the seven plants. Um, I will go ahead and write these out for you in the description because I know sometimes it's nice to have them all in one place in case you weren't able to write them down. So I'll write those down for you. Seven top things to grow in 2024. Let me know what you have on your garden agenda. What are you definitely growing this year? I've got like, you know, 20 others because I've got a lot of space, but those were the ones I thought for you all would be easy to grow, fun to grow, and most beneficial. So let me know what you think, what you're going to grow, and I'll see y'all again next week. Bye.